Amen. Thank you so much again for being here this morning. Uh, we started last week our holiday series. It's called A Weary World Rejoices. Uh, you'll actually find when you look in those packets of cards or when you pick up your cards or have them dropped off to you, you'll find that one of those has that same theme on it that we're sending out to folks. Um, and I think this idea of being weary uh, hits us in different ways, right? Sometimes it's, it's, the, it's the big things that seem to happen in life, and we just we almost feel like we can't catch our breath. We're, just, we're going through one of those seasons that just seems heavy and difficult. Sometimes that weariness comes in other forms. Sometimes it's just it feels like um, you just kind of keep hitting the wall on what just feels like the struggle. Um, do you ever have those moments, even what are really kind of almost small moments during the day where something happens and you just look at it and, and, and whether you say, man, like the, the struggle is real, whatever your line is, um, for, for me over the years and, and kind of our adopted statement in our house has been, well, it is what it is. Uh, maybe you've said something like that. Um, this week we were, I was up here on Wednesday when, uh, Ethan was getting some stuff ready. This past Wednesday was our new youth pastor's first night with our students as far as the youth goes. And uh, we were up here, and he was getting some stuff done. And I, I realized at that point there was no way that I and two of my three kids were going to be able to eat before super late. So I thought, okay, well, let me just go ahead and hop online and order some food from Chick-fil-A um, just to go ahead and grab something early. And, and there are certain things where kind of I naturally resist technology, but if I can get Chick-fil-A faster... I think it's time to get on board with those kind of changes in the world. Like that's that's one of the positives. And I got on there and I'm I'm clicking all my items that I want and I'm getting ready to finalize my order and pay for it. And when I I click the last kind of well I thought it was going to be the last confirm button, this screen pops up with a with what I thought was an error message. And I started reading at the top in big bold letters it said lettuce shortage. First of all, I was like, well I don't know why you're putting this on my screen. I didn't do it. Like, clearly, I was not me. I'm not the one that's out here eating so many salads that I've caused you a problem, right? So as I, I started reading this, and, and again, it's kind of funny when you, you find humor in the small things. It, the statement said this. It said, you know, just to notify you, salads may be fixed in other ways. What are they putting in salads at Chick-fil-A these days? Like, what is the other way to make a salad? Like, is there a product that I've become unaware of or I just, I just bypassed and missed, like, just, I, I thought I don't know a lot about salads, just self-confession. But I thought lettuce was a pretty foundational ingredient in that. So just FYI, there's a lettuce shortage. Uh, that may bother some of you um, and others of you, like me, you may have just gone through the whole week or month, and, and you just never knew it. You thought, you know what, that, that tragedy didn't hit me right where, where I live, okay? No matter, what, no matter what gets us to a weary stage, um, whether it's small things that may not be significant to everyone or whether it's really big life moments. Um, I, I hope this holiday season, God's Word does something very real for you and that it helps you to move at least a step at a time into a place where you can rejoice. You can, you can feel the joy of Jesus. You can hear His Word. You can understand the truth of what it says and what it means specifically for you and really walk in some freedom in that and have some joy in it that maybe on some days you don't always have. It's not the easy thing to grab onto. Today what I want us to look at is this idea that, that I believe one of the things that can help move us from weariness to rejoicing is, is how into the details God is. 
And I don't just mean from his perspective, but really even we can understand it from our own perspective. When, when you see how God works, big picture and little picture, small view, when I'm just narrowed down to just a single event in my life, so many ways tell us over and over again, it shows us clearly how specific God gets, how aware he is of the specifics of our lives, and really how those can kind of come in rhythm in a real way with the specifics of his plan for our lives, ultimately, which is his goal to bring himself glory. And, and that kind of sounds egotistical when we just say it, but if God is, is, we really believe God is a perfect and holy God, then attention is exactly what he deserves. And like a lot of things in life, it, it, it hopefully begins really to make really concrete sense to us. If I can put my eyes on a perfect and holy God and give attention to him and see what he's doing and understand something from his perspective, surely it's got to help me in my own. When you look at the Christmas story, and we're going to actually be in some Christmas story passage this morning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. But when you look at even just the early years of Jesus' life and look at some of the prophecy that came out of the New Testament. Now, I don't know if you've ever really tried to research a lot of it out or study it out. To, to go through every single statement in the Old Testament that was talking ahead of time about Jesus um, it, it's a pretty, it's pretty lengthy study. A lot of times you try to take it in categories or just isolate it to specific ones. And, and different scholars come up with different numbers when they go into the Old Testament and say, how many, how many things were said about Jesus hundreds of years in advance so that when it would come true, it would give evidence and proof that this really was God doing something. Kind of an average accepted number I would probably throw out to most people if I'm just in conversation, is in the neighborhood of about 400. Now, a lot of people, and some people have actually set out to do the math on that to see how likely it would be that one individual would live on this planet and be able to accurately fulfill and complete and match up with all of those statements. And there's some big numbers, some big ratios that are out there. I love the way that, that one writer described it, and he, he said it this way. He said, if you could imagine if the world was covered with one inch, one and a half inch by one and a half inch tiles, like the little small tiles you see in bathroom floors, if you could cover the surface of the earth in those tiles, he said it would be the equivalent of taking one of those and on the back side of it, putting a red dot on it, putting it back into place and giving someone their lifetime to walk the earth to make one decision, one decision only, which tile am I going to choose for it to have the red dot on it. Can I find the red dot in one decision? He said that would be the equivalent of someone living up to all of it. And it really is amazing. And I just want to mention a few of, a few of them to you just to kind of think through the details of how God is so specific. There's three things that were said about Jesus that were really hard to pull off when it comes to how he was, uh, where he was when he was young. In the Old Testament, it said that the Messiah, the one that God would send, would be from, born in Bethlehem. It also says that he would be called out of Egypt. It also says that he would be called a Nazarene. And, and to be called a Nazarene means that you would have had to be considered by a group of people to have been from Nazareth. And when you, when you match all those up, you go, God, how, you know, how do you pull all three of those off? And, and what details have to happen just to get those three things to be able to be said about one person to show you, God, that you are working something out? That's, that's how specific you are. Well... If you know the Christmas story, Joseph was from Nazareth. They ended up moving back there, and, and Jesus spent some formative years growing up, um, teenage years, moving towards the time that he was in and started his ministry. 
And, and when he lived in Nazareth that long, when he started his ministry, he was called a Nazarene. In fact, people said, you know, what good comes out of Nazareth, right? Um, it's no offense, but like you don't expect the president, the next president of the United States to be like, where are you from? Brown Summit. Like we don't, like I'm not saying we're not great people. We just don't know if we got a president living on our streets, right? So when they said, you know, what good can come out of Nazareth, it, it, it was because he was known to be from there. But, but through the history of, of empires and government and organizations, a specific person that was in authority wanted to count people. And he wanted to know how many people are living in the area that I'm in control over. And he took a census. We know what a census is. But when they did a census, they had to go back to the town that their family came from, which meant that Joseph and Mary, Jesus' parents here on earth, had to go back to Bethlehem. They had to, they had to travel to Bethlehem. With a pregnant wife, no, no write-in census forms, no mail-in forms. He had to go back to Bethlehem just for him to be born there. Then God allowed this anger to grow, to grow in Herod's heart that, that, that he would want babies killed because he was fearful that this Messiah would be more about government than it would be about spiritual salvation and faith. He just wanted babies killed. So Mary and Joseph, from a warning that they received, fled to Egypt in those early years and then came out of there to eventually come back home to begin life again. All the details that have to happen for it to be true and actually lived out by Jesus and his family, for him to be born in Bethlehem, to spend enough time in Egypt that, it, that, that, he, that he seemed to be called out from there, but also to live in Nazareth long enough before his ministry started to be called a Nazarene. I mean, the odds of living in those exact places, it's, it's pretty slim to be quite frank with you. But God, in, in giving these almost impossible descriptions in the Old Testament, just to help people do what? Believe. He would go to that effort just to get people to believe when Jesus started his ministry. So God had to work out Millions of details just for those things to happen. And, and I want to take this passage in Matthew 1, and I want, to, I want to talk about a few things that we can see in here that God is clearly attentive of to help start us to really form an idea of how, what does this really mean for our lives as well? Like how can we give God attention through this, but also how can I know what he's up to in my own life and how can I see my own life in the context he wants me to see it? I'm going to start reading in verse 18. Verse 18, Matthew chapter 1, uh, it says this, The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've had kids yet. Um, most of the time, that involves a physical relationship. Actually, I take that back. All the time, that involves a physical relationship, except for when, when God does something miraculous. Now, um, many people have said, you know, that, that seems to be almost one of the hardest things for people to believe that a, a, a girl who had never had a sexual relationship with anyone would be able to become pregnant. How in the world did God pull that off? It, scripture were simply given the explanation that it was by the work of the Holy Spirit. I, I will say this, though. I have found in my own life, when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that he, that he died the death that I couldn't die, um, or didn't want to die and, and paid for my sin, and I put my faith and trust in him, and, and I started seeing the evidence that his spirit was inside of me, um, it, it honestly just made it a whole lot easier to believe that God could, God could 
use the Holy Spirit in her body physically if he could change the things that he changed in me that I probably would have said would have been just as impossible. It says, before they came together, um, that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her, divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Now this is out of Isaiah. Uh, this is about 700 years before the event happened. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. What are the events? What do we see the events that God is clearly aware of in this scenario? Now, this, this situation is, seems on the surface almost hard to relate to. But, but in the details of this story, you have one human individual who clearly doesn't, it, it doesn't have to make sense to him when he hears something, a message from God, it doesn't have to make sense for him for him to be able to listen to it. You ever been there? You ever heard something from the Bible? You heard a message preached? You heard somebody say something to you? And at first, it was either hard to take or hard to understand, but just something inside of you said, listen, stick in, don't give up. We can relate to that. We can relate to circumstances where we, where we just don't know what to do that just aren't really clean and simple. Think about it. Joseph decided to end up keeping Mary as his wife and, and had not had a physical relationship with her, and in fact, waited until after she gave birth before they began that relationship. Because I'm sure that the emotions weren't simple through that time for him or for Mary. You think his questions just necessarily went away? Now, remember, we, we, don't always, we don't always have our feelings completely resolved when we start to follow Jesus. Many times we start the process, we take initial steps, and we do things in trusting him, but we still struggle in our own emotions. There was nothing that God ever said that told him, hey, don't touch your wife. But I'm sure some of it began just as him really struggling with really believing it. I mean, believing it, believing it, enough to act on it. But then there was probably also part of that too that said, hey, listen, if, if, we're, if this is really God doing this, and this is what he says it is, what can we do to make sure that publicly we can, we can acknowledge that? That we can say, yes, in fact, we, we, we took no chance that you could say anything otherwise. It's tough for us as believers to live in a way and decide to do certain things or, or abstain from certain things just to make sure that we can present what God is doing in the best way that we can. It's tough to figure out how do we do that in our lives realistically. They, they, they had all this stuff. But, but the details of his life, what, what do we see? The first thing I want to talk to you about is about time. Have you ever really just asked the question sincerely out of your heart, God, why now? Why now? Why, why here? Why during this season of my life? Why? Well, consider what we have just here at the beginning. It says that after, after, his mother Mary had been engaged to, after his, um, after Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant. 
Consider that timeline. If we, if we think, God, you know, just, just keep problems out of my life. God set this in motion so that Joseph would have enough commitment into this relationship that he wouldn't just totally bolt. That wouldn't be the easiest thing to do. Because think about it. Divorce at this point, engagement was legal. It was, it was a binding commitment. You couldn't get out of engagement without a legal divorce. They considered that as much as what we consider a marriage ceremony, legal, final, and committed. So God, in his divine wisdom, put him in a situation where he couldn't, he couldn't just run from it because he knew Joseph needed time. You don't think he needed time. Think about it, fellas. You get the news that the girl that you're about to marry is pregnant. What is your first assumption? That's not unholy to assume that she's been doing something that is unfaithful. It's just what we would call logic. And that we often need a minute when God's wisdom defies human logic, right? When, uh, when some people tell you, hey, you just need to quit, you need to give up, you need to leave that person. When somebody tells you, hey, listen, just take this way out. It's just simpler, it's easier, less people will get hurt. When, when those kind of things defy God's wisdom and logic... We need a minute to process, and God realized that. So he allowed Joseph to be deeply enough committed in this relationship, but not yet fully in it physically for his will to be able to be carried out in the best form. I mean, that's a God timeline. And God was active and he was intentional specifically at that moment that, that, that he knew that Joseph needed to find out when he did and where he did. For a specific purpose. So in our lives, if we say, okay, God, th this is consistently how you work. So when I come to a place where I wonder really sincerely, God, why now? Why could this not have happened 40 years from now? Why could this not have happened two months from now? Um, why did this have to happen when I just thought I had all my financial stuff in order and then it just all fell through? Like, what, why, why, why right now? There's no sin in asking why. But the consistency of God's word is calling us to help us to understand that in specific moments, for specific reasons that God sees, maybe beyond our vision, that now is exactly actually the time that it needs to happen. After time, I want you to think about just the physical. Um, it, it says that when they, they came together, that she was pregnant. So, so God is doing something specifically inside of Mary. And, and while we don't understand, we can't really give a, a scientific explanation or, or a dictionary definition of how she could have gotten pregnant through the Holy Spirit, we see that it dealt with her physically. Um, if, you, if you read Paul's writings, Paul talked about how he had a specific thorn in the flesh that he prayed and prayed and prayed over for God to take away. But he said, at, finally at the end of it, he said, God, I've gotten a message from you, which, which is in everything you can receive glory. And, and, and this is not the greatest defining thing in my life. You ever run up on physical things and you just thought, man, surely if I'm dealing with this physically, this must be one of those things that slipped outside of God's, out of God's plan? out of his oversight. This has just got to be kind of a laundry list that as God is busy doing so many things, this surely would have slipped through. No, physically, God is completely aware of the bodies that he made. And while we do live in a broken world that has sin in it, and, and sometimes the result of what goes on in us physically is, is evidence of the brokenness, that doesn't mean that God is unaware of what happens in us physically. Jesus spent much time on this earth healing physical things 
to show us he could do anything inside of us spiritually where the real need is. Not about you, but sometimes some of the physical things that have happened to me in my life, and even with my own body, have in certain specific ways brought me closer to the Lord. Paul wrote it. He said, he said, while our, our outward body is fading away inwardly, I, I'm receiving everything I need for renewal. Sometimes it takes a physical weakness for, for us to really receive the inward strength that God wants to bring us. So, so to receive that, God has to be aware of our physical bodies to know what's going on with us. And sometimes we struggle with just that. The next thing after time, after physical, think about the thing that so many of us struggle with, our feelings. What does it say here? If you, if you look um, what he said in verse 20, he told Joseph, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Now, that fear that he talks about is not the kind of fear that when I, I, when I used to be a youth pastor, I used to try to inflict on teenagers. Um, I, I enjoyed when, when October, I've never been a big Halloween fan, never in my life. Didn't like it as a kid, don't love it now. But when I became a youth pastor and I had just a captive volume of teenagers who arrogantly would say crazy stuff like, you can't scare me, I found joy in that. Like, there were, there were times where I just took that as a personal and somewhat spiritual challenge that I needed to be able to bring humility into their lives. Now, now, I was trying to work in the area of absolute fear, terror, right? Fear and terror. There was, um, I, I did this thing one time, and um, just, just to kind of capture it for you. Um, you know who uh, Michael Myers, you know the character Michael Myers? So um, we, we did a, a Halloween thing one time, and, and you had to go around, all around Greensboro and, and do different stuff. And there was this really dark, low hallway in the church that I was on staff at. In the dark, it was like super creepy. Um, and, and in a dark room that you couldn't see in on the end, I had somebody dressed up as him um, waiting in there for a group of teenagers that would have to go into that room. Um, and I knew that in the, in the moment, I told him, I said, you don't have to yell, just breathe. Breathing is enough at this moment. And that breathing created fear and screaming, and then they ran out only to find out it didn't make sense to them yet, but I had recruited someone else, similar build, similar look, to wear the exact same outfit. Same mask, same hoodie, same jeans. And when they ran down the hall the other way around the corner, he was there. <laughs> Broken brain. That's the, that's the diagnosis of that right there. He was there, he's now there, and what's in the middle is my life, and it's full of terror. That's, that's, that's the fear we think of sometimes. What is, what is this fear? What is this fear? This fear is, I don't know what to do. I'm assuming what everybody's going to say and think. And I don't see an end to this that equals happiness. That's that kind of fear. You ever had that kind of fear? That kind of fear is real. I don't know what to do. I, I'm, I'm constantly consumed with what people are going to say and what they're going to think. That's a real fear. When you don't see a way out, you don't see a resolve that's clean and easy. It's going to be hard work no matter what you do. No matter what you do, there's going to be some hurt. That's when fear comes in. And in an awareness specifically, when you look at all the things that were said, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things in here that talks about what God is doing. And some of those things sound absolutely unbelievable. But in the details of what God sends in a message to Joseph, he, he doesn't, 
Man, he doesn't waste Joseph's time because Joseph is, is freaking out. He's trying to figure out, what do I do? He, he said, look, I will save your time. Let me go right to the heart of what is consuming all of your focus right now and your emotions. And I'm telling you, don't give in to that. Notice, it wasn't God's plan to reach inside Joseph and take it out. Wouldn't that be nice? It would be so nice if God would do that. Just take it out. But his, his, if he took it out, let's, let's think through a God perspective. If he, took, if he just took it out of Joseph, would Joseph need to trust him? No. He doesn't. God just took it. It's done. I'm on to the next thing. He didn't take it away, but he tells him so assuredly, you can make a decision that is different from your emotions. Because God was paying attention to him. He, he had to know him to speak to it. Other than just his emotions, uh, look at what he's, he, he's working on in Joseph's thoughts. Um, because ultimately our thoughts are what, what lead to what our emotions become. What, what, what's the struggle in his thoughts? Verse 20 again. Because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Even though he didn't understand it, God was giving him truth to start to work off of and live off of and think off of. Because if, when it seems so impossible, what, what could Joseph go back to? A whole, God, this is you working. God, this is you working. God, this is you working. And some people would say, hey, that's naive. You're just trying to put all your problems on God. I'm going to be straight with you. I'm probably going to err on the side of putting my problems on the Lord than trying to carry them all. I have failed miserably in life by trying to carry them all. So some days, yes, I do that. I say, Lord, this is you working. This is you working. Because my mind needs to hear it. It needs to roll around in there. And, and God knows that, that in Joseph's thoughts, if he could just simply get his brain calmed down enough that he could make a decision, but it would also lead to a total different set of feelings. He already cared for Mary, but he wanted Joseph to start a process to ultimately get to, I'm not just caring for you. I'm not just a good guy. I want, he wanted Joseph to be able to love and pursue his wife like any groom would have been able to. So he was telling him, this is me working. This has nothing to do with a relationship that's broken because of what you've done or what Mary's done. When we break it down and we think of it from that perspective, it's, it's all of a sudden it's like, okay, this, that sounds a lot more like real life. It's time. It's the physical. It's our feelings. It's our thoughts. And, and notice these, la these last two things I want to mention to you. Um, it, it, God has an awareness of the details of Joseph's plan, but also his plan. In, in verse uh, 19, it says this. It, it says, this is what Joseph decided. He decided to divorce her secretly. God looked in Joseph, and he saw there was, there was a morality there. There was a trust in the Lord there. There wasn't a cruel heart. God realized that because th this is God choosing to use the people he's using. And he said, you know, inside of him, he was aware of what Joseph's plan was. But, but I do want to kind of slip this one in. This really doesn't have a lot to do with the message, but, but, I, but I, want you to, I want you to listen to this because I think... In our culture, we have grown to a place to where we've embraced, hey, you know, really sincerely being a pretty good person is enough to kind of get us by. Joseph being a good guy didn't mean that Joseph was going to necessarily find God's will. Does that make sense? I think sometimes we get comfortable because we, we, look at, we look at what's happening in the world and we look at inside of our own selves and our home and we go, you know what, we're, we're not that bad. Like, we're pretty good. And sometimes even in our goodness, we think if I can be good enough, I, I'll, I'll do good. But ultimately, God had to call Joseph out of his own goodness into God's grace, into his betterness. Does that make sense? 
It wasn't that he was a bad guy, but, it, but God knew his plan. He was aware of what, what are you thinking? What, what do you see the end result of this being? God came in and, and shared his plan. He said, number one, what is something he could specifically do? He said, take Mary as your wife. He gave him something to do. And, and so many times, you, you ever just feel frozen in life? So weary that you're just frozen. You just go, you know, I, I got to call a timeout. Like, I need to call a timeout. How many of these do I get in this half? You ever, you ever wonder that? I'm coaching basketball right now, and that, one of my first questions, I'm, and, and I ask it sometimes even when I know the rule book because I want to know what the referee's thinking. How many, time, how many timeouts do I get this half? I want to know because there's moments where I know that I'm going to want to call one. And sometimes I just want to look up at the sky and go, God, do I have one today? Can I get it right now? Can I take it? Not 30 seconds. I need a full timeout. He gives him something to do so he can keep moving forward. Take Mary as your wife. The second thing he, he talks about in, in, his, in his own plan, the message says this, she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He doesn't just give Joseph something to do right then. God starts to paint the picture of what it's going to look like in the future. He said these events are going to happen and then you have another part to play again. I'm going to give you a second step that you can follow through with. And if Joseph would just take step one and step two and God's plan that he laid out, and, and, and push his plan off to the side, then he would be at a place that God could use him. God would get the attention, and it would ultimately be for Joseph's good. Not Joseph's easy, but Joseph's good. Now, through this time, do we necessarily know that Joseph um, moved directly from being totally weary to really being able to rejoice? I want to I look at two things that kind of look at Joseph's rejoicing because I think set, setting that in our, to our futures and say, God, when do I start rejoicing? When can I ex expect rejoicing? Because when we're weary, we don't feel like we have rejoicing just bubbling over out of us. Well, the first thing that we see is at the end of this section, and, and we have what we know are just the absolute highlight notes. We don't have every conversation recorded. But we do know this. Um, verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her but did not have a sexual relationship with her until she gave birth to a son and he named him Jesus. He went in and married Mary. He, he, he continued in the process. He began life and he began doing things towards the goal of what God had laid out. That tells me that Joseph also had the ability to wake up on a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Friday and go, okay, Lord, I can decide to follow you. This may not be easy, but if I can decide to follow you, then I also have the, the, the ability to decide, God, to find joy in just that. I can find joy in that. And, and I, have, I found this to be true of myself. If I can simply do something that's, that's not my nature and it's not easy, if I can say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it willingly, and, and, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, then I also, in that same, in that same context, can decide, Lord, that I'm going to choose to find some joy. I'm going to choose to look at the details of life. God, if you're in the details, I'm going to look at the details of life, and I'm going to find joy. There may not be lettuce at Chick-fil-A, but they got chicken every day, right? To the glory of God. Amen. Thank you. That's, that's that. At least you're awake. You know, you caught that. Now, if you, if you go to Luke chapter 2, if you go to Luke chapter 2, it talks about the shepherds coming. It talks about them being in the stable and, and when Jesus was actually born. This is months later, um, probably nine, and, and Jesus is being born. He's in the main, they're in the stable. He, they got the baby in the manger, and, and these shepherds start to show up giving evidence about the same thing that God had already said. Specifically, it mentions Mary because Luke is very, uh, Luke concentrates more on Jesus and Mary than he does Joseph. 
That's how God inspired his heart to write that. So he's talking a little bit more about Mary there, but it said that, that she just treasured it in her heart. and that She just meditated. She chewed on it. She rolled it over, over and over again. She just thought about the things that they said over and over again. And no doubt Joseph was very much in the same mental, emotional, and physical place. That he was, he was hearing again everything that God had said because God had put it on repeat. You know, and that's one of my favorites. When God puts it on repeat, either to get my attention or just to remind me of something that, that he really wants my brain to think about. I love it when he puts it on repeat. And when he did that, you know that in that moment, think about it, that they were out of Nazareth where they had been. They, they, they were away from the conversations. They were just in, they were in Bethlehem trying to fill out the census forms just to make sure they were counted. They were over in the stable, and a lot of people probably would have thought, man, that's an awful place to be. Maybe for them, they were just like, hey, look, man, this is just a nice, peaceful camp out. We're just tired of the looks. We're tired of people talking. And they were just able to celebrate the birth of their baby in quiet, yeah, except for the crying. But the quiet, right? The quiet. So the rejoicing happened. They, he was able to, in weariness, to, to move into also rejoicing because... Just like the thing that we're talking about, a weary world rejoices. We don't wait till we're not weary to rejoice. Because if we did, then we would just rejoice in our own, our own works. To be weary and rejoice means we concentrate really on what God is doing. And what God is doing is so much in the details of life. Um, just a few quick things. Um, back in the Old Testament, Job made a statement. And Job went through the loss of people, his kids... He went, through the loss of, he went through the loss of so many things. Job said this, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Because when Job looked at his life, he looked also at the details of his life. And, and for all the things to have had to happen, for him to lose something or someone, he looked at all the evidence of what had to happen for that loss to happen, and, and he came out and said that, that all those things couldn't have happened unless the Lord was in control. And that's a, that's, a, that's a place that none of us ever want to arrive at. But if you look at life and say, okay, what are the extremes? Then that is, that is one end that's an extreme where we can look at the details of life and say, God, that, that what would have happened? Have you ever thought, have you really thought through, and I don't, want, I don't want you to be a conspiracy theorist, but have you really thought through what, would have, what had to happen just for us to be dealing with COVID-19? What all had to take place over a number of years and a number of decisions for a virus to even be funded, to be studied, I mean, to be released, all these things, what all had to happen? How could God be absent from that? He would have to be absent from the world to be absent from all that. So we know that in the extremes, we can still find God and we can still find His plan and His purpose and His love. Paul writes in Galatians 4.4 about this birth of Jesus. He said, when the fullness of time had come. In other words, Jesus came just at the right time. When you look at all the empires all across the history of the world, the Roman Empire was the perfect empire to be in control when Jesus came to this world. The message of the gospel was able to get communicated the fastest and the farthest because of their control. And they were the ones that invented crucifixion, this horrific public death that could be the symbol and the show of what God, how serious God was really about sin. Remember when we talked about redemption last week? In that empire at that time, and, and, and it wasn't that everybody was perfectly ready, 
one of the biggest struggles that they had was because, again, a prophecy that the Messiah would be called the Son of God. They didn't understand the concept of Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at all. They, they, that was totally lost on them. So they didn't have to be completely ready for it to be the right time. And we're also told, and, and, and we repeat it a lot, um, and I heard it once this morning, um, that, that, that I can do anything through Christ's strength. Not I can do anything on my strength, but I can do anything through his strength. Whatever in life brings you or brings myself to a point of weariness. Maybe it's just, it's just I'm just tired, I'm exhausted, there's just, it's just been so crazy. Maybe it's one single event. Maybe it's one relationship and, and the struggle within it or what's going on. Maybe it's a long season. And, and it's just, and you were maintaining for a while, but you just realize you're, you're, you've been hitting a wall and you didn't even realize it. I don't know what makes you weary, but whatever it is that has wanted to push you and I towards weariness are also the things that God uses to bring us close to him, to be able to allow us to see him working and to know, God, if you're even in the details of that, then you're going to help me make decisions in my thoughts to, to find joy in you and to handle the craziness of what's going on. And he's not going to do it from a distance. God sent it. God knew that Joseph didn't need just a verse of Scripture. He knew that Joseph is crazy. Think about it. Think, how did the message come to Joseph? How, how did it get there? What was it? It came in a what? A dream, right? An angel came to him while he was asleep. God knew he needed, his, he needed God's word and he needed some rest. And he comboed it. Isn't that awesome? He comboed it. He said, I'm going to give you rest and my word at the same time because you need both of them really bad. That's crazy. That's how awesome our God is. That's Jesus in every step of our life. And I believe that that is news that can bring us to rejoicing. Because we can simply... Look at the details that we seem to get so lost in and start to look, not just for the craziness, but really start to look, God, where are you? What are you saying? And what did you have to know was going to happen and, and, and work and, and arrange for this to bring me to this moment? And for what purpose can, can people get their attention on you? I believe that that calls our hearts to rejoice. The praise team is going to come back up in, in, in just a minute. And, and I think one of the, I really believe one of the greatest things about being a believer, about being a Christian, about knowing Jesus Christ as Savior, I believe one of the greatest things is this simple idea of a weary world rejoices. That, that for everyone on this planet that will look for joy, we don't need a perfect situation. We don't need absolute good news to be able to get there. We, in any situation, can have joy in Jesus Christ, the Savior of this world and our lives. We don't have to wait. I don't know about you, but I, I loathe waiting. I, lo I don't like waiting. And I love the fact that I don't just have to wait to rejoice. Rejoice doesn't mean... Uh, Rejoice doesn't mean that every feeling in my soul has to be perfectly resolved. Rejoice can simply start as, I'm going to choose to say what's true, God, about you. That's what Joseph did. Joseph went in and he told someone, all right, 
this marriage is going to continue. That was his form of rejoicing. He said, I'm going to go in and I'm going to say what's true about what God told me to do. And I'm going to find my life in that. There are steps to move into rejoicing. There is amazing things God could do to get us there. And so much of it is just in the details of what's going on in your life. I don't want you today to say, you know what, I've got to push some stuff aside to clear my head. Don't, don't be scared of looking in and laying it all out. Journal it. Do whatever you need to do to show all what's going on to you so you can see all what God is doing. If you will, just maybe with your heads bowed for a moment, those of you at home, as we come to this point in the service, we want to really um, expect great things from God as He takes His Word and He puts it into our lives and allows us to look forward. And I just want to mention to you before I pray those things, time, why now? Physical, why me? Why this? My feelings, the things we don't feel like we can escape, our thoughts, the, 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 the things that circle through our minds, our awareness, but our focus, our plans. What, what, what do I think I need to do to get out of this situation? Or how can I handle this? What, what, what details can I try to pull together? Or what things can I expect or hope that they can happen to make something bad come out better? But then there's God's plans. Him knowing ours and at the same time calling us into His. And sometimes that's where the biggest gaps are. My plans versus His. We want to be here as a church family for you and what's going on in your life. Please reach out. We're here to pray with you this morning, if you'd like to, at the end of this service, to talk after it. You know, some weeks, I wake up and I see the weirdness in my own face. And sometimes I come in here and I can see it in the eyes of someone else. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus is working in your life. He's putting other people around you. He's, he's bringing you to other people's thoughts. He is doing something. And he just desperately wants to show it to us. So let's look to him. Father God, thank you so much. Lord, that we can rejoice in Jesus. Lord, my prayer is that if someone doesn't know him as Savior, that they know the simple truth of Jesus' death paid for their sin. And his resurrection shows us that we can have new life in him, that believing and trusting in that, God coming to you in prayer and asking you to save us, Lord, trusting Jesus, acknowledging him as Lord, that means God that his, that his plan, though different than mine, is, is what wins. It's, it's, it's what's better. It's what I should follow. God, that just that begins the relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that today would be someone's day of salvation to God if they don't know Jesus as their Savior. And they would not keep that inside of them, but they would share that. They would put that on one of our cards that are in the chairs. That they would come tell me, someone else, after the service so that we could start talking about, now let's talk about life. But God, while so many of our church family go through so much and so many are watching 
online and they're not physically present here. God, I pray that as we see that your word shows that you are in the details of life, God, that you are so aware and you're so working in the details. God, you aren't just a big picture, God, that, that we just say, okay, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end, and, and, and whatever works, works, and whatever doesn't, doesn't. God, that you are a God that is so aware intimately of every moment that you have something to say about it. You have truth for it. So God, you also know about it. And God, out of the overflow of that, we can trust that you have a plan for it, a purpose for it. So God, help us because you know where our thoughts are limited. You know where our feelings um, try to pull us away. God, you know what we need. So Lord, help us in those gaps in our lives to see you, know you, hear from you so that God, just like Joseph, will know what to do in the next one or two steps so that as we make that decision, God, our ultimate decision is to find joy in you and to look at you for it. That we don't search somewhere else. God, we come to you for joy and we proclaim your truth and we rejoice, God, in who Jesus is. And as that consumes us, it changes us. Lord, help us to be changed into the image of Jesus, into the heart of your people, into the family that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing together, please?